Morning. <clears throat> Clear my throat. First off, I would like to tell you guys thank you for last week. Thank you for the prayers, the encouraging text that you've given Caitlin and I throughout the week. It the only word I can think of is humbling. It's been very humbling. We appreciate you all very much, and we love that you are willing to walk with us as we see what is next for us in the days ahead. But what I feel like talking about today, what I feel like was placed on my heart, is the importance of Scripture, the importance of reading it, of taking it in, and of allowing the Holy Spirit to work within us by binding to it. Now, what is the Word? The Word of God, the Word declaring that we should have within us. According to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, <clears throat> equipped for every good work. The word of God is living and it lives within us. In the hands of man, the Bible is just a book, but when the power of the Holy Spirit comes, it becomes a sword, a sword that is given to us to help us go through the valleys that we face within this world. And the Holy Spirit is also the bridge. The way that the word enters within us is through knowledge, through our mind, either through hearing it, through reading it, but it gets connected to our heart through faith and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Just as God breathed breath into Adam, he also breathed breath through his spirit into the word. Now, when the word is within us, we begin to see things in a different light. Obviously, we begin to see things through the lens of Christ. We begin to make all our judgments according to it. We seek it for guidance. And the way we even begin to see it changes. We begin to see the biblical narrative as a whole. Multiple authors over the millennia <clears throat> coming together in their thoughts and in their guidance from the Holy Spirit, pointing us all to the culmination of Christ, to the salvation that we have through him on the cross. It allows the Holy Spirit to encourage us. Oftentimes, as we're going through life and we hit hard times, the Spirit will bring up a verse that will encourage us. It will bring up one for us to give to our neighbors, to encourage them. And... Scripture being written on our heart is also a way for the Spirit to lead us through fear, through the valleys that we have in life. Psalms 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And yet when we are afraid, when we come to Scripture, we must do so with a humble heart. Oftentimes we can find ourselves going to Scripture with the desire to give ourselves hope. We want to open it up. We want to find a psalm. We want to pull a verse out. We want to take something out of context, anything to give ourselves hope instead of patiently reading it and allowing the spirit to reveal the truth within it to us. Now, there are obviously several other things that happen when we take the word in, but there's a few I'd like to focus on. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to Leviticus 26. That'll be the first place that we start. The first point that we're going to notice here is the Holy Spirit recalling within us the knowledge that we possess. So we're going to start here in verse 4. 
We're going to read through chapter 13. Leviticus 26, verse 4. Then I shall give you rains in their season, so that the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Indeed, your threshing will last for you until the gathering. The grape gathering will last until the sowing time. You will thus eat your food to the full and live securely by your land. I will also grant peace in the land so that you may lie down with no one making you tremble. I shall also eliminate harmful beasts from the land and no sword will pass through your land. But you will chase your enemies and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So I will turn towards you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old supply and clear out the old because of the new. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would not be their slaves. And I broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. And all of this happens, the blessings that they're being told, the blessing that they're being reminded of happens because of the verse that comes before verse 4. Verse 3, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I shall give you reins. Now take this, keep all of this in mind, the reward for faithfully following, and turn to the book of Joel. Chapter 2 in the book of Joel. We're going to read verses 26 through 28. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel and I I am the Lord, your God, and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now notice that the prophet Joel is not sitting telling the people of Israel the law. He's not declaring the law to them. He's not giving them anything new. He is reminding them of what happens if they obey. He is going back to Leviticus 26 and reminding them of the rewards of obedience. And in reminding them of this, it is recalling the law that they already have written on their heart. By by the knowledge that they have of the law, the spirit coming through the seer is bringing it back up. But also, the Holy Spirit can help us fight temptation. Now, obviously, we know the famous story in Matthew 4 of Jesus in the wilderness. If you turn to Matthew 4, we'll read that real quick. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. 
You can do a whole sermon on Jesus in the wilderness, but the point that I want us to focus on today is simply how he uses scripture to ward off temptation. Every single time Jesus replies, he replies with a single scripture. Now, the scriptures that he uses are coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6. The two books in the Bible that Jesus quotes the most are Psalms and Deuteronomy. But chapter 6 within Deuteronomy is a special chapter. There's a lot in it. One of the main things that comes in it is in verses 4 through 9. In the Jewish tradition, there are the prayers of Shema, or the prayers of hearing, Hear, O Lord, Hear, O Israel. This is the first part of the three parts in that. And also, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, is the great commandment that Jesus gives. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. So these are some of the happenings that are going on in this verse, So, in this chapter. So let's read Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11 together. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and began to minister to him. Now in verse 4, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, which is a verse about manna and how God humbled the Israelites and gave them life from heaven. But in verses 7 and verses 10, he is quoting Deuteronomy 6.13 and 16. And if you read that section of scripture, there is a reason why Christ is quoting that to Satan. What is going on is God has declared to Israel, you will have no other gods before me. And he's telling them about the wrath that will come if they do. And then he's calling them back, do not test me. And in 17 of chapter 6, he tells them a reminder to worship him and to follow his commandments and that all will be well. But on top of the things that we spoke about, the quick little synopsis of the way that Scripture works within us when combining with the Holy Spirit, The main reason to have scripture written on our hearts, to read it daily, to spend time in it, to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in it, is because it reveals to us Jesus Christ. It reveals to us who he is, what he is, why we worship him. And so together, I would like for us to go through the Bible, reading together who this is, seeing how 
we go from prophecy in the beginning all the way to his return in the end. So we are about to read a lot of scripture. The first place I'd like to start is in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, the deity of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now go back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now go farther back into Genesis, and go to Genesis chapter 22. And in this we're going to read verses 12 through 18. God gives Abraham a sacrifice in place of Isaac and tells him that a great nation will come from him. Verse 12. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked. Behold, Behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went to look. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount the Lord will provide. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens, and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. As we continue going through the Old Testament and Exodus 12, we see the children of Israel being in captivity to the Egyptians. The uh, Passover feast comes, they slaughter the lamb, they put the blood of the lamb on the door. And the faithful that lived under the blood were protected from the death that came from the angel of death. In Exodus 16, we see the children of Israel being in the wilderness God giving them life-giving manna from heaven. 
And in Exodus 17, we see the referral to living waters, which Jesus refers to himself as to the woman at the well. But now for the next reference, I'd like for us to read together. If you would turn to Numbers chapter 21. We're going to read verses 7 through 9. The bronze serpent. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard. And it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a broad serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked upon the bronze serpent, he lived. Now all these things you're reading, keep them in your mind because they're going to all come to fruition as we get into the New Testament. And Second Samuel chapter 7, 12 through 16 David is told that God will make a great kingdom through his line. Now for the next prophecy in the Old Testament, if you would, turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Starting in verse 1, we'll read this through together. The suffering servant. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. And he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. He did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter. And like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was he there, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. 
But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death. He was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many, and interceded for the transgressors. As we continue going through scripture, we go beyond Isaiah 53. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, the new covenant is prophesied. And in the very first chapter, or the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew 1.1, we get the statement that prophecies have been fulfilled in the verse of Christ. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. As we continue to go through and see how this all goes together, if you would turn to Matthew 8. We will read verses 16 through 17. This is Christ revealing to the people who he is. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who was ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah 53, 4. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now turn with me to the book of John, chapter 3. We're going to read verses 14 through 18. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And yet we do know why he came. If you would turn to Mark 15, read Verses 22 to 25. The crucifixion. Then they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide 
what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers beside him. One on his right and one on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, and he was numbered with transgressors. Now if you'll flip the page to Mark 16. Beginning in verse 2. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Just as he told you. Now go to Acts chapter 1. Start in verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it the time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, he was going. <clears throat> Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Now, for the final reference, turn to Revelation chapter 22. I'm going to begin in verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. 
Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written of in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life, from the holy city, which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Now, when we go through here and we read all these references, some of these references that we read quickly, there are men that have written commentaries that are tens and some hundreds of pages long just on those passages. But I felt like today it wasn't. The commentaries were irrelevant. I wanted us to read the word of God together, to see together how he reveals himself to us through scripture. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the I am that I am. He is the Messiah that was prophesied about. He died on the cross for us. He saved us for our sins. He saved us from our sins. And in him we have hope. We are saved in the present because of the cross and his suffering in the past, which gives us hope to the future in this life and in the next. And that is what I hope we saw together as we were going through scripture. Who we are and what we are is all because of Christ Jesus. And I pray that in the days ahead, the Lord gives us a passion to read his word, to allow him to guide us through it. To have his truth put on our heart and to encourage each other within it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation it gives us and for the way it guides us. I pray, Lord, that you continue to help us as a church to, to bind together, to seek your truth, to encourage each other, to lift each other up. I pray for the leaders, Lord the elders, for the board, for those that are on the search committee, Lord, that you continue to help give them wisdom, guidance in the days ahead, help the elders to lean on each other, and I pray that you continue to bless us. Amen.